Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now if you haven't listened to the last episode in the feed on NUO, I encourage you to go listen to it. Um, this episode, however, we're going to be doing something a little odd. Something that might remind you of my third day episode that I did about the Supreme Court and using anime to kind of like pull out the decisions the Supreme Court made around abortion, but at least in its format, but this episode what I want to talk about is the idea of anime as brands. And if you don't know what I'm talking about there, um, I want to talk about this because this is an idea that I've had for a long time, and this is an idea that's probably best um, personified by the video game industry. I think that if any if any industry gets this and understands this at its core, it's the video game industry. And you're seeing this kind of play you're seeing this kind of a game as a brand unto itself play out with actually this big conglomerate that's like walking through the like video game industry as a whole and just swallowing up whatever it thinks it can get called the Embracer Group. And interestingly enough, because of the way anime because of the way anime functions outside of Japan. Each show has to be licensed for a certain amount of money. This is just the thing we know. It's just the, the way that anime licensing works. But what people don't really think about is they don't really think about these shows as brands. And what I mean by that is you think about... Mostly when you think about brands, one of the things you probably think about are... Two of the things you probably think about are food and clothing. And you think about food and clothing for two very specific purposes. You think about clothing as, I like these shorts I got from The Gap. Or you think about food, probably in the most significant way of, this ketchup tastes funny. Oh wait, it's not Heinz ketchup. And... That both of those things probably really resonated with you on some on some level. Another way you think about it in food is Coke versus Pepsi. You either think Coke tastes like trash water, or you think Pepsi tastes like trash water. And if you think Coke tastes like trash water, you are objectively wrong. And I'm sorry if you are offended by this, but you can no longer be a listener of this podcast. I bid you adieu. Um. But, in any case, people think about brands like that. They think about, when they say brand awareness, they think about things like Supreme, like Coke, like Pepsi, like, you know, The Gap, Old Navy, all those kinds of things. But, when people think about video games... More than likely, unless you're super into video games, unless you're real, like, unless you're real into gaming, you think about individual games you like. You don't think about, like, um, you don't think about a video game production, production company like Gearbox or, um, actually 
a be- a better one is you don't think about Kojima Productions. Well, Kojima Productions is a different thing. They built a cult around themselves. It's a whole thing. They've turned themselves into the brand that people recognize as making Metal Gear. But you also think about those studio. You think about those studios as things that can make other games. So you don't think about like Gearbox. You think about. Um, You think about the games they make. You don't think about, um, and and this is, and this is testament to how much we don't think about these things because I can think, you know, fall, like I can think of Fallout, but I can't think of the the name of the studio off top of my head. I can think of Call of Duty, but. The, like the thing behind the people behind Call of Duty shift out every couple years. Or like a different studio is in charge of that every couple years. And if you listen to something like um, Waypoint or Giant Bomb, they do talk about that, but it's much less prominent and much less pronounced. Now, on the flip side, in something like anime, what you think about is very similar. Yes, you think about Kill Anning, and you think about the way their shows look and feel, but you also think about a show like Free in a different way than you think about a show like K-On. Those are two different brands. And what I think is useful here, and I'll get to the reason why I'm talking about this specifically. What I think is useful here is to think about the studio's as, like, the Umbrella Corporation responsible for all these different brands. And it's also useful to think about the streaming platform in kind of a similar way. Actually, think about it this way. The studios are the Umbrella brand, are the umbrella corporations under which all these different brands exist. So for, let's take, um, let's take um, Kill Annie, actually. For Kill Annie... The brand brands you might know from Kill Annie are Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, um, Free, K-On, and the list goes on. You think about a streaming service like something like Crunchyroll as a mall in which you go to interact with brands from an umbrella corporation, the essentially the animation studio. And KyoAni is actually a better example than most because they handle, I want to say, 90% of their, and I could be very wrong on this, 90% of their merchandise is sold directly through them. It's part of the way that they were able to get the money they needed to get back on their feet after the KyoAni arson incident. Is that you could go to the KyoAni Japanese store and you could pay them like $15, I think, for a high-res digital image. They didn't have to give you anything. It was just a file you press download on. But the idea was you could do this a couple times and give them like $30 to $45 just like as like a moment. I did that. I also donated to the um, GoFundMe that I think Right Stuff might have set up. Now, what's important here is that all of these brands have 
a lot of value at this point. And a great way to really look at this is actually Disney. And Disney is part of the reason that I'm talking about this because Disney has gotten into the anime game. And it was in the anime game a little bit before this, but everybody noticed that everybody's pretty sure that the new season of Bleach, which is a huge name in anime, is about to stream exclusively on Disney. And everybody was stunned because, like, these people don't go to Dis- Like, this kind of stuff doesn't stream on Disney. What the hell? Except you're wrong. Like, Iron Man streams on Disney. You can go watch both Deadpool movies right now on Disney+. Plus. They are they are in this kind of by being in the content mill, they are inherently interacting with all these individual brands from the uh, from the Umbrella Corporation of Marvel. That they are a broad corporation of a different of a different thing did not make. So. If you look at Disney, if you look at things like Aladdin, if you look at things like, um, I don't know, like Beauty and the Beast, like The Lion King, there's tons of merchandise branded with, not Disney specifically, but Lion King. And this is one of the reasons why people like who are in their 30s and 40s have these feelings about Disney because we grew up and like got all the cups from the Lion King franchise in the 90s from Burger King. And like we know Disney as the people who are responsible for the brand that happened to our child eyeballs known as the Lion King. When you start to think about it like this, you start to understand what is A, really happening, and B, what really happened with, like, the behemoth that is Crunchyroll now, is that these are brand... These are... Intellectual properties are basically brands. And I say that because they basically have the same kind of sway in many ways. If somebody says, I like Bleach, the, the, the anime franchise, not the um, cleaning product. But if somebody says, I like Bleach, th- then you kind of have an idea of what they look like, of, what they, of other things they like in your head. And it tells you a whole lot about that person as actually a potential customer. So if you like Bleach and you've never seen, say, Soul Eater, there's a strong correlation and possibility you'll like Soul Eater too. And here I want to use, actually, I want to use the mangaka of Soul Eater. Um, here for a second because... He, because the Soul Eater thing is a very interesting 
thing here because they've created that manga has created essentially two different brands. He's created a brand in the form of Soul Eater. He's created a brand in the form of Fire Force. And ultimately, I think those two things do actually link up. Like, for, I think the end of Fire Force is meant to be the, like, inception point of Soul Eater. That makes any The, like, very beginning of the concept of Soul Eater. If that makes any sense. But, um... You look at those two shows, and they have similarities in their art style, in the like, in some storytelling elements, that kind of thing. But at their core, they are different things. And they are defined by different things, by... Different concepts and different takes on on a shonen action show, and on like an ensemble shonen action show, and he has successfully created two different brands, two things that are inherently different from what already exists, and what that m- looks like is the show of Soul Eater look, looking and feeling different than the show of Fire Force. Now the same is true of a show like Soul Eater and Bleach that can be overlapping the fandom. In fact, it probably is. But they are two totally separate things. And what you're getting here is less of, and what you're getting in, like, the anime streaming market, now that the, like, streaming market is so hot, and everybody is trying to grab, like, a, a sm- from a smaller and smaller pool of potential subscribers, is you're getting people act, like, act and license in ways that are unpredictable. You're getting... The studio making the new Bleach show, taking a meeting with Disney, instead of taking a meeting first with Crunchyroll. Because, and this is also due to Crunchyroll consolidate, consolidating the market a lot by buying Funimation and buying right stuff. What that means is, is that there is there's less competition in the market, absolutely. But there is also, that means the big players in the market, the Disney's, the Netflix, the the Disney's and the Netflix's really, or even something like High Dive if it's got the sway, can go to, will go and offer more money because they know that Crunchyroll's waiting, the Crunchyroll behemoth is waiting to swallow this thing whole, swallow this deal whole if they fuck up. So, and they also know, and they all know the amount, like, the subscriber counts of each other. So, the best way I can kind of demonstrate this is the deal that HBO Max did in its, like, as one of its more popular deals when it did a deal with Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli has probably done the best job of making itself as the studio the brand. It even did a better job of this than Disney, although Disney gets pretty close. 
And what and what I mean there is Studio Ghibli, you think of all the films of Studio Ghibli as exactly that. Films produced by Studio Ghibli. By the brand Studio Ghibli. You don't think of My Neighbor to and trust me, they make them. My Neighbor Totoro as being a brand that will bring you socks one day. And you can buy not My Neighbor Totoro socks, I guarantee you. But you don't think of them like that. And if you've seen The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, or you've seen, or you know much about Studio Ghibli, you'll realize that's probably pretty intentional. And yeah, part of that is people like Hayao Miyazaki don't care about the branding capability of their of their films. They care about making great about making great work that said something. But when Studio Ghibli when Studio Ghibli and HBO Max did that deal, it was a it sent like a huge wave in the an in like the anime world because they all of a sudden got all these movies that were not streaming streaming for the first time anywhere. Kind of, I think the the only place you can stream all the Studio Ghibli movies is HBO Max. They created a reason for anime fans like me or like any anime fan really to subscribe to this big behemoth of a streaming network. By making one damn deal. The closest thing before that was when... Um, Amazon Prime, after they fucked up with, Amazon, with, with Anime Strike... Went in a different strategy. Went to the programming block Noitamina. I think this is since... This exclusivity deal has since ended. Went to the programming block Noitamina. And said, everything on this block for this amount of years... We get exclusive rights too, or, or at the very least, first refusal. I think it would probably, it would probably those two stipulations. And then all of a sudden, there were all of these anime brands that blossomed as being amazing, like critical darling shows that didn't play anywhere else. They played behind a double behind a paywall for Amazon Prime. Which was insane because you got things like recreators, you got things like the original run of Vinland, like the original um, simulcast of Vinland Saga. You got um, all kinds of that stuff on Amazon, but not anywhere else. Now, what happened? Now, the reason why Bleach going to um, Disney is really interesting, and the reason why Bleach going to Disney made me want to do this podcast for a Sunday edition is because Bleach is one of the big four or big five. It is one of the big early aughts, late 90s behemoth shonen action anime with like a laundry list of characters and like a lot of lore steeped in and all this other stuff. It's also probably the most fashion forward and stylish of the of the big four of the big of the big four of that period and 
that gives it a unique brand presence that something like My Hero Academia just doesn't have. It like it, when uh, when My Hero Academia was first released, it was kind of like a like you understood like oh wow yeah oh wow but yeah of course My Hero Academia is going to get an adaptation when Bleach came back from the dead after it was canceled for another season doing the last arc of the manga it was a big deal like everybody who had been in anime for a minute was like oh a bleach is back but so so bleach is coming for us right like bleach is coming for us in a way that we that we know is what what's about to happen but like the youngins don't. <laughs> we know the, like, way this is going to rock people's lives, but nobody else does. Which is, like, a great feeling to constantly just, like, count down to when, like, oh, the first episode of Bleach is up, the internet is broken. <laughs> but that, so that kind of brand pull exists with things like Dragon Ball Z, it exists with things like Gundam. Hilariously, every single inch of your life can be Gundam-themed from birth to death. I fucking promise you. Um, it exists with Naruto. It exists with these shows that got so popular that they were forced to continue. That they were forced to continue until the heat death of the universe. And I've talked about this before. One of my favorite like aspects one of my favorite places to see world building is in shows like this because they're so popular they have to keep going so at some point they run out of story they run out of proper story so they have to like spend on like at least a episode to sometimes like whole arcs on like how do you make ramen or like some some obscenely minute thing in that universe that you wouldn't get if it was just a single season if it was like a half season or single season at a time show and part of the reason why you see um the formula that my hero academia kind of tinkered with and perfected a little of doing cores and of doing a seasons and two cores seasons so they spread it so they first spread it out but B have less time for filler is because of these shows having to do that extensive work of like by this if you have been following along from with Naruto from the beginning from like the very first episode of Naruto to the current episode of Boruto Naruto Next Generations you know how Konoha's mail system works that shit's insane. <laughs> Why would you do that? But what that do what that doing that did, and this is true of Pokemon, and Pokemon is actually the perfect example of this. What doing that kind of minutia did is it created this kind of detail that you ascribe usually to a brand, to a brand like Coca Cola, and you don't think you subscribe you ascribe this kind of detail to a brand like Coca-Cola, but you do. You, you can get a Coca-Cola logo on just about anything you can goddamn imagine. 
you can get it on a t-shirt, a toothbrush, a handle of headphones, a duffel bag. You can like walk around in a Coca in a Coca-Cola red jumpsuit with the Coca-Cola logo plastered across your back. I am positive that is a thing you can do. While wearing red shoes that are branded with the Coke logo. And Coca-Cola understands this and they actually their brand their brand management guide that you get when you license when you license Coca-Cola for your restaurant, it's like it's like an art history textbook. It's hilariously sick. Um but if you start to think about each individual anime series that you watch and you think about them as brands instead of IP properties, what you're seeing happen in the streaming like market where like stuff is starting to go to weird places makes a lot of sense. Because what these and this is what I always think that what I realized that the federal government did not understand is that Crunchyroll is not a Crunchyroll is not now a monopoly for because it has taken all because it's taken the anime vertical it is a monopoly because it has assumed so much so many of the individual brands that populate anime and that's the only place you can go to see them that they are inescapable and these IP these different intellectual properties once you start to think of them in the way you think of someone buying coke or pepsi some a company buying another brand you start to understand what these companies are after and what these companies are doing. And one of the reasons why Crunchyroll, and I talked about this in the Wrong Stuff Sunday edition, the previous Sunday edition, um, two weeks ago, in this, in wherever you're listening to your podcast right now, um, is that now they have a way to have their fingers in the profits of just about any brand of show you can imagine. Because cr- Right Stuff is such a huge distributor of anime, of a- of anime and anime merchandise, that, like, if you want a Bleach keychain after watching the first couple episodes of, of the Thousand Year Blood arc, guess who gets a cut of that? Not just the studio that makes Bleach, not just Disney, but Crunchyroll. And I, I think that's really the only force that understands this. The only company that understands this is Disney. And there's a great there's a great um YouTuber by the name of um by the name of James James Somer- James Morrison, I think his name is. I apologize, James, if that's not the way your name is pronounced. But he does videos he does Media critique from the perspective of of like gay, gay and queer people because he is he is probably gay. I should say queer, but he's probably gay. And he talks about Owl House, but 
I haven't made it through the entire video yet. I'm probably going to finish watching it after I record this. But, after I finish recording. But what he does is he makes the video as... What he does is he talks about it as Owl House's brand is not consistent with Disney's brand. And he talks about Disney's brand really poignantly and really specifically in that video. And I'll link it in the description of this podcast. And by doing that, he clarifies, like, what about Owl House? And his point in this video was they... Was they Cancel Owl House because it is so focused on representing gay and queer relationships in that show. That's really what that show is about. But he looks at ev- and he looks at everything about Owl House, and he says the only reason they canceled this is because they can't stand for a gay or queer representation in a show that's positive. And in doing that, he sets up Owl House as a brand with no merchandising arm because Disney had not produced any merch for it at all, apparently. And he he shows the umbrella, the, the, like, company, the umbrella company of Disney is just letting it snuff itself out. And, like, forcing it to snuff itself out. So they don't have to deal with that brand in their extensive catalog that he says, like, if Disney is family entertainment, why is Iron Man on here? He's a drunk. (laughs) He's a violent drunk. With a super-powered armor suit. Like, why why is Hulk on here? The the implications of She-Hulk. If you know anything about the She-Hulk storyline, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but this... Like, once you start to think that way, you start to think differently about the... First, the way these companies are licensing and, like, the licensing scheme of all these stream, streaming companies. But second, you start to look at the the board on each streaming app, what I call the board, which is all the little sections that you pick all of your content that you're watching from that essentially make up a big board in front of you and they say, pick, press play, and we shall entertain you. But each one of those, when when you're looking at things, yes, you're looking at, in like Netflix, you're looking at a like, in just about any of them, you're looking at at a... eye-catch poster, but there is always a logo there. And the logo that you notice is not the Netflix logo, although the Netflix has come up with the clever little end to put on its original programming. It's the logo for the show. It's the logo of the brand that is asking you to interact with it. I just think, I've just always, I've thought about this, thought, thought about anime and media properties in this way for a couple years now and I thought I'd share it because it's a really interesting look, especially right now with the Bleach licensing shakeup happening to think about this stuff because it really makes more sense this way. It makes 
and the last this is probably this is probably the last thing I'll say and the, and probably the best way I will explain this. It makes more sense if you think about Bleach as a box of cereal, as a branded box of cereal next to the Naruto branded box of cereal and the One Piece and the Dragon Ball Z or the Dragon Ball box of cereal in a grocery store aisle. Now, up until now, we've all kind of gone to the same couple grocery stores. Right? We've gone to Crunchyroll, maybe Netflix. If you're really deep in, you've gone to High Dive. And you know what's in those grocery stores. You know the brands that are in those grocery stores. What just happened was the, like, the new big grocery store down the street just offered a better deal to the bleach-branded cereal to be sold there and not in the same old grocery store you've always gotten it from. And on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every um, Thursday and every other Sunday. Sundays are like this. They're more metatextual. They're more thinking about ideas in the industry like this is. And they're more fandom and sometimes even animation, raw animation focused. And new... Thursday episodes are about one specific like series or film. Every once in a while, I'll do a live action film, like my episode I just did um, the Thursday before last on the movie Bullet Train. But if you are really interested in the show, you can subscribe to to it in wherever you're using to listen to podcasts right now. You can also share it with your friends, and you can go check out the show's new Instagram account over on Instagram and it is called um, I believe it's called Lunchbox Radio I believe it's called Lunchbox underscore radio Um, I don't you think I would know these things it's called Lunchbox Radio underscore podcast so definitely go check that out for the latest like happenings and anything I get up to that's in any way anime themed honestly I just have fun on that on that content stream. So, until next time, I've been Alec. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I will talk to you on Thursday.